Iowa everywhere. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, it's Jared and J-Bo. J-Bo and Jared, I don't know. Every week it changes. What's going on, man? How's it going? Doing well, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I feel like shit. My allergies are kicking in. It's that time of year again. Probably a lot of people out there that feel about like I do, but we're gonna power through because you know what? I'm a competitor. You're a dog. I'm a, I'm a dog. I got that dog in me. That's right. You got that uh, dog. Lot, you got that dog in me. Uh, lots to talk about today. A uh, couple different football games that we watched over the weekend. You were uh, betting the over on the Iowa Rutgers game and sweating it until the very <laughs> bitter end. Uh, late Saturday night. Uh, like I'm sure many other people across the country were. Uh, talk about Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, I want to talk about this John Wall Players Tribune story uh, that came out late last week. Uh, I want to talk a little bit. We've, we talked about Patrick Beverly with George Niang. I want to talk about something that came out of Lakers Media Day. And, of course, we'll hit on some stories uh, later on in the show. First things first, it was announced today that Memphis uh, will not be facing a postseason ban after uh, their – mix up with the NCAA uh, due to um, the recruitment of James Weissman, who now plays for the Golden State Warriors, was the number one recruit in the country uh, when he came to Memphis from Memphis East High School a handful of years ago and then was deemed ineligible, uh, and they played him anyway. And the end result is that Memphis doesn't get in any trouble whatsoever, basically outside of paying a fine and – uh, a handful of other things. I think maybe Penny Hardaway got a show cost, but nothing overly impactful. What did you first of all? What do you think of the of the sanctions coming out? Uh, do you think it's good that they're not given postseason bans and things like that now? All these years later, I mean, I think I mean from everything I've been reading about this situation, I didn't know too much of it until this headline came out. I knew there was some money being dealt with with the recruit, but and him not playing that year. The thing is, I see it as, I mean, there's so much money involved now with college athletics getting money. Like, what, who cares at this point? Like, what even, right. what does even it matter? How is it, what, it's a good thing they're not impacting the future athletes and the current athletes at the school. But at the end of the day, man, just like NCA, I mean, they have this whole accountability panel that they created. And I think they have two, like two or two to four more cases on their docket they're gonna handle with like louisville and arizona and those schools and then i think those are the last ones that that panel's even gonna see they're yeah, gonna expand I mean, it after that i think it's louisville louisville i saw was maybe next and then arizona i think maybe is on there uh kansas is on there and then maybe arizona state i can't remember what the order is but it is an interesting conversation uh the kansas one i think is uh is is tough because a lot of the things that that they're accused of aren't really illegal anymore. <laughs> you know, like that's where it's hard because when this, all this stuff came out, whatever, five, six years ago, like it was a big deal then, but now in the world of NIL, like I just, I don't know that these things matter now. Like I just, I think you, it almost might as well just let it go. You know, the, the thing I, I find funny in it all is when I was reading this article, I think it was on sports center or no MSN. It states that, part of the penalty is they pay a fee of, I think 11, I don't know the exact amount of dollars, $11,000, I think, or something. And like 0.25% of their budget yeah, for the next five years, I believe. Yeah. I'm like, wait, okay. So I understand the fee. Okay. You paid a recruit, which is kind of, kind of legal now. First off, I don't even get the penalty in that, that aspect. Well, on top I, of, I think there was I can't I mean they were these were all like level two and level three violations. So like they were by no means huge right. violations. You know, right. I, I do think if I remember correctly, and again this was like this was several years ago, uh there was something fishy about that recruitment, you know. And I can't remember if it was that like someone's high school coach ended up on a staff or like what the deal was. Or no, I think I maybe if I'm remembering right, James Weissman might have lived with somebody and then went to Memphis East and then went to Memphis. And it was just like kind of sketchy, 
you know, and that's yeah. kind of what prompted it into where he didn't end up playing it in more than I think one game. Uh, but yeah, the zero, I wonder what Memphis's basketball budget even is. Yeah, I'm curious to see. Hold on, I'm actually I'm curious here now that you're talking about this. So if they're making 0.25% for the next five years. But the, the thing that's so weird to me is okay, I found what, it. I found it. It says the men's basketball program at the University of Memphis. Okay, this this can't be 100% right. Oh, my gosh. You got to read. Here, here, I'm going to read this entire entry. This is from collegefactual.com. Okay, yeah, I see Who knows what the hell this is going to be. It shows that Memphis men's basketball made a zero dollar or had a complete even net profit. Uh. It says the men's basketball program at U of M made $11,932,656 in revenue and spent $11,932,656 in expenses. So the program broke even. And then it finishes. It's unfortunate that it didn't make any money. But then again, it didn't lose any money. (laughs) I I refuse to believe that University of Men's Basketball does not make money. I refuse to believe that that's that is true. But you're, you're saying Memphis? You don't think Memphis men's basketball does? No, I'm saying that it doesn't. I refuse to believe that it doesn't make money. That it's oh, showing yeah. a net zero, like that is showing a zero. You know, well, that, lot, that, pro, Jared, uh, that's probably loss. the whole budget, though. Oh yeah, it's the. It's that's probably, they're that's probably taking effect. Like, I would understand maybe the athletics budget doesn't make they're, money as a whole. They're taking the athletics budget that is posted on the internet at its yeah, face and right. saying, yes, this is the, these are the facts, which are not the facts. It's, right. it's just, that's not true. Uh, all right. But 11, nine, three, two, I'm not a math guy. I got to get calculated out for this. So uh, times 0.25 based on this budget, that would be, I mean, it would, it, Okay, so it's actually I'm I'm sorry. Again, I'm not a math guy. This is not what, going what well. What are the numbers here? Uh it's eleven, nine, three, two, five or six five six times zero point zero two five. It's like twenty nine thousand dollars or two hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollars. I don't know. I'm doing a bad job. It's a lot of money, either way, still, because it's their basketball budget's apparently twelve million dollars. But I'm curious to see. I have to reread the article if it's the whole athletics budget as a whole or the men's basketball budget because that's a huge difference. Yeah, I would well, imagine I... it would have to be the men's basketball budget. Um, okay, so what was initially a probe into Memphis's handling of Weissman's eligibility status, thanks to an eleven thousand five hundred dollar payment Hardaway made to Weissman's mother in two thousand seventeen during his time as a high school basketball coach at Memphis East. Damn, I almost got that right. Quickly morphed into a thorough examination of Hardaway the basketball program, the school's compliance staff, the entire athletics department, and former university president, M. David Rudd. Woof. Uh, this just does not give, like, very good details. Memphis has received a $5,000 fine, three years probation, and the, mas- and the basketball team must vacate its win from, the, from November 5th, 2019. Like, this is completely unimpactful. It doesn't mean no, anything. No, it's literally a slap in the wrist. But I found that part interesting. One – Okay, so let's say they do make okay. Let's say they make what two million a year for the men's basketball program. So they get a quarter percent every year. Where does that money go? Does that go to other sports, the NCAA championship sports, or what happens to it? Does that go to salaries for the quote unquote uh, nonprofit for NCA? No, I I can't imagine it does. I bet I bet that it does go into some sort of you know like. But this is where this is where I, I get the whole conspiracy. I feel like it has to. I, I read through the chart, the document that came, I I breezed through it. I'm gonna pull it up. I know Matt Norlander has it on Twitter because I I know that it. I think it said where it needs to go in, uh, in in what was yeah. It says a five thousand dollar fine plus zero point two five percent of its average men's basketball budget based on the average of the men's basketball program's previous three total budgets. So I guess it doesn't say where it goes. I don't know. Who do you make the checkout to? You think? That's my thing. Who one? Where does it? What name do you put on the check? That's that's step one here. Step two. 
how do they allocate those funds and how do they decide where that money goes? Because God knows they are not doing the right things in those offices already to begin with. Do you think that it it's kind of like when you pay a fine, like if you get a speeding ticket, you know, like how, do they know where that money goes? Maybe well, the I mean, money just goes go back, back into enforcement, you know. So it goes back into the accountability panel. So why the yeah. fuck would they just not investigate? Or not the accountability panel, but the whatever the compliance building or you know arm is, where uh, they've got investigators and stuff like that. Because I think that stuff is still going to exist on some level. It just won't be. I don't. I don't. Now. I don't. I disagree. I don't see how that can last. I mean, what are they going to investigate? I. Uh, like, what, but what is this mean? is the thing. But this is the thing. The NCAA is like they're they're too terrified to let the NCAA go away. The NCAA is going to exist somehow, and they're going to oh, say wow. theoretically that they're going to investigate things. But these investigations take like seven years. But here's what happens: it doesn't though, matter. Jared. All these investigations occur because the compliance offices in each respective university and institution across the United States brings them to them. So theoretically, if a compliance office doesn't cease to exist, and these individual universities institutions they're not going to investigate anything because they have that's their enforcement right there is the compliance offices but do you, here's the issue the people the people who have these things and the, the reason that these things exist is because they want the people they're competing with to not be able to cheat like that's what the whole thing is you I know understand that but there's no there's no cheating like what athletic Revenue sharing they'll, is they'll find a, a way thing. to still report things. They'll, I know, it, it's just like the guy going them going down and talking to that John Ruiz at Miami and saying like, "Yo, you're doing something shady. Like, what are you doing here?" What is you there know? to be shady at this point, though? Once at once, athlete revenue sharing becomes a thing, which it will. These conferences are growing exponentially. Media rights is off the off the charts right now. I'm saying I understand your point, but I'm also saying there's nothing to look at anymore. Once this happens already with NIL, it, you can't enforce NIL. It is physically impossible. I'm right there with you. On. I agree with you. I agree. I there's no point to have these things. I'm, I'm just saying this is why they exist is because there's going to be the people out there who they think are, they still need to hold accountable for cheating, even if there's nothing that they're doing to cheat. But why you know? waste all that? Why waste all these funds on top? I don't think the compliance office really serves any purposes on these universities anymore. For one, and why spend all that money on two with the NCA as well, allocating these funds and they're taking money from these universities if there's technically nothing to be cheated upon anymore. This is why this shit's a racket, man. Why do it they is. need to spend the money? Because that because they have to. Like, they don't have to. You're telling me they spent millions of dollars on lawyer fees to to lobby against nil when it what they spent passing then they're still like doing 60 million dollars on that or something crazy yes like they spent an insane amount of money on that and they're still doing it right to the to this day to this exact day they're still lobbying against nil when it's already been a blanket waiver pass that's how idiotic i'm saying like the allocation of funds and nca is happening and it's right there in front of our eyes so i'm curious to see if we follow the money like this, this exact funds go from when they find these schools where, where it ends an, up launch an investigation well where, where's the i want to other other question is when's the last time nc has been audited as a as a non-profit you audit you can you have to audit non-profits too as well right well yeah and i think too like all of their i mean all their financial information would be public information wouldn't it since they're I would imagine. Yeah. yeah i mean they, they share the charts and the distribution of their funds but that's just briefly i'm curious to see exactly like how those categories fall into fall under those each of those allocations it shouldn't even exist anymore if we're being well i mean it should because it is still an important important oversight thing i think for the lower levels of uh college athletics uh especially because it's really hard to organize that shit with like thousands of schools involved you know i think that's even what the athletic directors when they started talking about the possibility of taking college football off and like doing its own thing and creating their own whatever league i guess i think they started to figure out like holy shit there's a lot to this you know and the ncaa already has especially i think from a basketball perspective from a, like from all the olympic schools perspective it's like well they kind of have this stuff down to a science how do we make what they're doing better you know that's what i think the conversation needs to be right now it's not about anything new it's like how do we make this thing better you know and for a long time the idea of making things better was completely taboo to them they didn't want anything to do with making things better they wanted to stay exactly how it was but i don't know what the answer is either you know 
The thing that's been so now that I've been on the inside of it all these past couple of years and fighting for NIL and stuff like that, the 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 ISAC that is it's it's so backwards, man. Like if you think about it, these NCA is hiring basically quote unquote hiring these athletes to speak on behalf of the athletic population as a whole. And these athletes are like swimmers and you know, rowers, like nothing against those sports. Like so the bootlicker athletes. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying? I not, not necessarily like they, they have a job too, as well. I mean, they have a full-time job of sport, what they yeah. do for their sport, but they're hiring these people to speak on behalf of like football and basketball players. And they're nothing compared, like no, like inferiorness to this or superiorness at all to what I'm saying here. But they, they don't make the money that some of these basketball programs and football programs do for these schools. So how can you have those kind of athletes speak on behalf of those two sports when it's not even comparable? Right. So I always thought that was backwards as well. I think the ISAC as a whole, that needs to be reevaluated as well because that's necessarily what – What's that? What, what's the? I, what is? I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I, I have no idea what it stands for. It's like the I the intercollegiate uh, student athletic student athlete committee or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, 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 committee. Yeah. So they they directly like pinpoint where um like what they talk about in these meetings and how they want to go about it. They ask for their opinion, obviously. But I mean, at the end of the day, a, a rower is not going to know exactly what's going on within the basketball and the football dynamic of all the revenue being produced and they're telling me that you're telling me they're going to say something supportive for these two sports is i mean i I just don't think that i think that's why the ncaa has been so far behind is because they created this committee in my opinion well and i think i mean it's just like this conversation it if you correlate it to the school level the ncaa has people on their board of governors or on their board of managers or whatever it is that it's called yeah, board of i mean people that are from like saint you know from saint peter's which like we saw this last year what saint peter's a school like saint peter's can do in the ncaa tournament but i think at the same time people that are at you know lsu or at texas or whatever sit there and they're like the problems at saint peter's aren't even close to the same as the problems at texas why is that person on our board making decisions for us you know which I get, like, I kind of understand that because it comes back to just what you said. Why is the person who's a swimmer, why is the person who's on the soccer team or like whatever, again, it's nothing against those people, but why are they the ones that are being asked when the biggest sports that are being impacted might be football or basketball, you know? Yeah, and I, I remember when I was speaking out on behalf of the college athletes that there, there's a Rutgers, he's like the head of ISAC. So he was like the guy that was going to like lobbying with NCA and speaking at these – um, Senate meetings and hearings and the, against these committees talking about the interest in college athletes. And I remember listening to some of not what he said in particular, but other people that sp- spoke on college athlete behalf, like they, they had no idea, like God bless their soul, but they had no idea what they were talking about in inner workings of the NCA. So, you know, I always go back to, I think that's why it's been so far behind with a lot of these things, because like the real college athlete voices really haven't been heard until, these last couple of years. And I think that's why finally there's a step forward and NCA is still fighting it, even though they passed something, which is beyond crazy of it all. Do you think, uh, do you think Kansas should still be punished for the stuff they did with Adidas? I don't know. I think the whole, I'm complete spacing on the name of the, the height, the, the AAU circuit, um, EYBL, the whole yeah, EYBL, EYBL and yeah. yeah, the AAU circuits and all the handlers involved with the AU program. I think right. that's if a we whole... want to talk about who the problem is, right? Man, I mean, that goes down to like we're talking parent. about the wrong level of sports. Yeah, I mean that goes down. I mean along the line of just everything wrong in society is just the parenting in this whole world is I completely messed up. Like you have kids that are chasing the wrong things i feel like and that's just that doesn't go with sports but in life in general i think that's why you know shit like this is happening across the board because there's just no guidance with a lot of these athletes that are growing up from a young age to to what they are now and the issue too is that it's not that they it's not that they don't have guidance they might have guidance but the guidance is mis wrong misguided yeah is misled or i mean is is just have their priorities wrong like they're trying to figure out how they can get their bag too you know how can I get, you know, whatever from Adidas or how can I get free something from whoever, you know, and 
that's the bigger problem is that we've got people who are hangers on to a lot of these kids that just like are there, you know, and it's, Oh, it's my uncle or, Oh, it's my AAU coach. Oh, it's my trainer, you know? And who knows how many people, how many of these people have the kids self-interest in at heart, you know, and, or the kids best interest at heart at the end of the day. And I think that's even going to be a concern that we look forward with NIL with when a kid's out of school or a guy is out of school and his buddy or his uncle comes to him and says, Hey, such and such school, it's such and such or such and such agent or such and such, whatever says they can get you such and such amount of money at school X, but you can't get that here. You got to go and trench report. You got to leave. Grass isn't always greener. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And that's what I have more concern for people who get bad advice from people that they shouldn't be trusting in a lot of these scenarios than I do for actual people who are going to like think through their decisions and make their decisions for themselves. I'm more concerned about that because I know there's a lot of shady ass characters that work in this, especially in basketball. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, it's already been happening. There's a Florida state football player that um, I think, I don't know if he wrote the article or was quoted in the article about he was promised all these things. I, I believe it was a Florida state lineman. Um, oh, it was the five-star recruit that transferred yeah. from Georgia to California. Georgia, yeah. yes, yeah, and he yeah. was promised all these things. High school and, junior, yeah, they just weren't delivered to him. And I mean, but you look at that—that's not even—that's not even like an NAL thing. It's just that happens all the time in, co- in college athletics as a whole. You're recruited, and coach promises you a starting job, promises you a, a chance, an opportunity. You might get a chance, but you don't—you don't break in that starting lineup the first year. And, you know, that's a, whether you look at it, you didn't work hard enough or it's a broken promise. I mean, that's just something that's been happening for decades now. Yeah, that's something that I think uh, people maybe don't realize quite as much happens, how often promises will be made in the recruiting process and then how infrequently those promises are not followed through on. You know, uh, it depends on who the coach is. There's a lot of coaches out there who don't do that. You know, there's a lot of different guys who are going to keep it real with you and tell it, tell it to you straight. But man, there's a lot of coaches out there who get a little desperate and start to, you know, start getting a little loose in what they're doing on the recruiting trail. And they'll start telling kids things that are not true, you know, just in order to try and get their commitment and save their own asses. Yeah. And the way I look at it too, you know, I've always been always on the side of the college athletes, but the way I look at it too, is if you're a promise, some of these things from coaches, he sees the ability and potential in you, not only with NIL, with businesses you might work with in the future or the coach as a whole or the team as a whole. So, I mean, if you're a college athlete out there, you got to take it to heart when you're when you're being told this from either a coach or an agent out there or someone um, that you got to not only kind of brush that to the side, like, yeah, you heard it, but also you don't take that to heart. Like you put your head down and work every single day. And anytime, anytime you work in something really hard in your life, you know, but something's going to happen. And if you're going to listen to, if you're going to have someone tell you that, make sure they have an actual plan plan of action how they're going to do this not them just telling you things empty promises you know that's the that's the problem i'm speaking of is empty promises the people Mm -hmm. who tell people things and then don't do them you know they just are trying to get whatever they can piggybacked off of you and uh i don't know man it'll be interesting to see how a lot of these things continue because i just i don't know i don't know like I know Iowa State doesn't have money to compete in a lot of those things, you know, if it really got to where it was out of control. But I, I think a lot of these things are going to kind of normalize out. And do you I don't think- know how much things are really going to even change in the end. Like 10 years from now, we might look back at it and be like, yeah, I mean, they changed a little bit. But like, did they really change? And that's what I think the thing that is the bigger hole in the NCAA's argument is that they tried to say that if the student athletes got paid, people would stop watching. And that's clearly not true, you know. I think that's what we're going to look back at, back at 10 years from now is like, man, we gave these students, student athletes the opportunity to do anything and nothing with the athletics changed. Everything just continued on in its business as usual for the most part. And I wasn't, I mean, people that knew sports and love watching sports, you know, there might've been a couple of bad apples saying, Oh, I'm not going to watch sports ever again. You're going to watch sports. Like, old I heads. don't care. Old heads yeah. who are lying on the internet. That's who it is. And I guarantee you those same old heads got on their couch, flicked on their remote and watched the same sporting event the next day that they said they weren't going to watch online. That's just how it's going to work. That's how it's always going to work. No matter what happened. I mean, the same thing happened with the NFL with the whole 
um, racial justice stuff that was going on with Colin Kaepernick. Everyone was saying um, how they're going to be done watching NFL. NFL is more popular than ever this year. It's just how it works. Anytime, anytime sport for almost ten years since then. You know, know, that was a long time ago. Now it's crazy to think, but uh, and then and then it's funny you have people come back and say, uh, "Well, they gave Colin Kaepernick an opportunity." Yeah, ten years later, when he was like forty years old, like. Here's the thing, guys. I'm gonna get controversial. I rarely I say controversial. Rarely, every week. (laughs) I don't think Colin Kaepernick is good enough to be in the NFL. Is that bad to say? No, like that's what that's what I'm saying. But it's been ten no, exactly. years. Like when I when I saw how long has it been? When's the last time Colin Kaepernick played in an NFL but, game? Like, but, and this is not me discounting what Colin Kaepernick has done because I think that there was a time when Colin Kaepernick absolutely should have still been in the NFL. But there's but a, like but what I'm trying to get across is too is like there's those people out there that are like, oh, he just didn't get a chance. Like this, it's wrong what they're doing to him. Like it's it's racist. Like. Dude, it's been he's six not good. years now, and this he's this not good enough. This last offseason was the first time that I remembered him getting a getting a tryout. Even I think you know, and it, like a real tryout. Well, I don't know how real tryout. I guess it was. I wasn't there, but uh, being given an opportunity to make the team, and it's like, I mean, you're 34 years old and you haven't played in an NFL game in six years. I imagine it's kind of hard to keep up. You know, right. I don't know. So I don't know. I, I that's a tough one. I think in 2017, Colin Kaepernick absolutely should have been in the NFL, but I don't know about in 2022. It's been a long and time. And you now. have some dogs coming in every single year trying to take. Right, spot. there's a lot of guys. Yeah, like, it, but and that's where at this point it's no different than a lot of guys. Yeah, you just get old, man. And you're, you're like it just the game passes you by a little bit. I just think it was unfortunate that it had to happen for him. I mean, almost immediately. From when he was still a pretty good player, you know, he's two oh, years I agree with that. Yeah, coaching a, or from quarterback in a team to the Super Bowl, yeah, and then you know had to have those things right. get in the way of him continuing his career. Um, all right, let's talk about your Iowa Rutgers over. Who the hell is betting the uh, the over on the Rutgers <laughs> Iowa game? Is all I want to say. First things first, but to life's too short to ever bet the under. So I'm glad to hear you did. Jared, how the hell do you not bet the over when it's literally the lowest? It was I think it was the lowest ever. And yeah, I mean, maybe I mean, it's still barely even hit, man. Dude, the worst part is I didn't have 33 and a half. I put it in late and I got 34. So I'm like, they kicked the field goal and they made the field goal. Or no, how, how did that? I don't even remember how 34 hit. Um, I think it was a field goal they hit. No, it was a touchdown. They they uh they threw that touchdown and um, yeah, that would have made 34. it 20, that would have made it 20 to 20 to 10. Yeah. Or no, they no. Yeah, Rutgers threw a touchdown. Yeah, it's twenty-seven to three, and then they threw a touchdown. Is that what okay? So it was a field goal that was for thirty-three. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't. I that is that's not right. Is well, it? it's, the final score was. Uh, man, I'm clicking on it. Final score was twenty-seven to ten, and there were ten points scored in the second in the fourth quarter. Iowa kicked a field goal, and Rutgers scored a touchdown. Yeah. So when it was at thirty-four, mm-hmm. I had the push. So I was like. Okay, I, I I stressed over this hard. I'm not I'm not pushing. I don't want even money here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, how do you not bet the over there? Honestly, I I get it. I get. It. I know what you're gonna say. The offense. It's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap. It's just like uh, you know the Dolphins are four and a half or four point dogs going into Cincinnati on Thursday night. That doesn't make sense. Dolphins are three and zero. Oh. Got wins over the Ravens. Got wins over the Bills. You know what it is? It's a fucking trap, man. That's what how it did, is. Did you watch that Dolphins Buffalo game? I did. I did. did. It, what was what? I get it. Josh Allen is trying to avoid contact and not go down for a sack. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was it was almost worth. They didn't get another playoff. They could have spiked the ball and hoped for a, like a sixty yarder for a field goal or throwing it down. Well, I didn't court. understand why the guy didn't run out of bounds. That was the other thing that yeah, I thought is kind of just run straight out of bounds. But then then they have a holding like right before that. They were right on the edge of uh of field goal range and then got called for a hold. So that didn't help either. Uh, but that this is my thing. Like, you look at that Dolphins line and, you know, they're four-point underdogs, and you're like, well, there's no way. They're, they were the only undefeated team left in the AFC. Like, they're one of the best teams in the league. But then you think about it, and it's like they needed it to come back from down three scores to beat uh, the Ravens in the fourth quarter, which is kind of fluky. Not probably going to happen very often. And then I think the Bills had three offensive linemen 
and like two starting defenders get hurt and they still lost by two, you know? So it's like, that's a, but you know, there are so many people out there that are going to go and bet Miami plus four. Don't be surprised if the fuck, if the fucking Bengals go and win. Yeah. You're going to bet it. You're going to bet it. You're going to get trapped. I'm telling you. You're going to get trapped. I had a a bet. I think I was two for eight or no, I was. I was two, two, two for nine on bets last weekend. Oh, jeez. I won the Iowa one and then Jordan Spieth on the last on Sunday. That was it's it. It's kind of random that you or won Saturday. a golf bet uh, in a in an over on Rutgers in Iowa. You were probably yeah. the only man in the world to have the over in the Rutgers-Iowa game. Should have parlayed it. Uh, all right. Saturday afternoon, I almost had to tweet at you and see if uh, we could get your eyes on this Iowa State-Baylor game because there was something afoot. <laughs> I think uh, something the, was brewing the, with the officiating crew. Some questions to be asked. <laughs> it's coming back to me. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> after all, after two weeks of me getting shit on for saying it, the whole timeline I see of Iowa State people I follow, I'm talking about rigging the game. I, no one talked about it being. Oh rigged. yeah, okay. I called yeah. it shame. Because it was shameful. It was a shameful performance by the men in stripes. Like horrendous. Those guys are gonna I guarantee those guys are gonna get fined or something this week. I don't know what the they're officials? Oh yeah, dude, or they'll they get suspended. Get it was horrible, dude. They don't so get fined. Bad. That's that's well then why... they'll get suspended. Or they'll that, say they're gonna they, suspend they them suspended. and not suspend them. They don't nothing happens. happens to them. This is why I went off on the officials because they are the most protected individuals in sports, but they, they don't have to answer any questions for what they do. They don't have to get any fines, suspensions, nothing. So, yes, I am 100% with you. I did not watch the game. I saw some highlights, some targeting calls, the block, the chop block. I saw that. I mean, I agree. There's something fishy going on, and I, I'm down to push that panic button that there's something weird brewing in college sports. I got I actually got a funny story here. Uh, my uh, roommate's girlfriend works at the airport. She works for Enterprise and, you know, like as a manager there at renting cars and stuff. Uh, shout out to Delaney. She's one of my homies, but uh, she said she had the people, the officials come through on Friday night coming into to Ames. She's like, yeah, they were all, you know, talking about how they needed to get up to Ames for the game, all this stuff. I was like, well, I hope you treated them right. You know, I hope you made sure that they're going to give us some good calls here on Saturday. Middle of the game, I texted her. I was like, your fucking officiating friends better <laughs> needed to get a better car. Apparently. Cause they, <laughs> Man, whatever you did did not come through for us on this one. It was a bad deal. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel bad for you guys. It's almost like part of me, I don't know. There's a couple of people in the Iowa State sections tweeting at me after I said that comment. So I was almost, I'm not happy it happened, but it just went full circle for a oh little my bit. God. Oh my God. Dude, this is, this is what. This is what I thought thought was so funny. I lo- I hate how this shit happens sometimes. Every opportunity that some people get, doesn't matter who it is, Iowa State or Iowa, they they take this holier than thou approach. It's like the picture came out of the Iowa State student with his middle fingers up to the uh, to the field or whatever. And I see someone post that on Facebook, and they're like, oh how classless is this and all these things. And I'm like, yeah, if we want to sit here and pick through every bad apple at a, it was 60,000 people at a football game. I'm sure we can probably find a few, a couple of people who are not a very good representation of the fan base. You know, a couple, I would say, honestly, probably a thousand, a thousand would probably go a good number that are probably bad apples. And that's at every football game on yeah, the every single football game on the planet, every single sporting event on the planet. You could probably find a thousand people who, there who you would sit and be like, man, this guy's a real fucking jackass, you mm-hmm. know? And that doesn't matter who they're a fan of. And I hate I that. Like, I hate how people are just like, yeah, well, you know, we lost a football game, but at least you guys are pieces of shit because <laughs> you guys are flipping off the field and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. You know, it's just like it's it's the same thing as if I sat here and was like, oh, all Iowa fans are classless pieces of shit because they threw beer at Xavier Hutchinson when he scored a touchdown. Like, how stupid is that? You know, it's a stupid thought, but people still do it. I mean, just like me, when I played at a Hilton this year, I had 20,000 people chanting fuck Bohannon nonstop at the game every time I touched the yeah, ball. Yeah, but you, you deserved it, though. How did you, I deserve you that? You brought it on yourself at this you point. You know, I have this video that one of my friends sent me, and I'm posting on Twitter when this gear releases. 
imagine I'm going to, I'm just going to let this brew marinate with you guys listening right now. And you Jared too. Imagine me at the, the game with my, my sweet mom and family sidelines watching the game. And I'm at every time I touch the ball, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet the video. Cause he just sent it to me last week. He's like, dude, you guys have to talk about this. So I'm going to send it on Twitter and you're going to listen to it. And you're going to listen to it maybe Bohannon over. You're going to listen to it for 10. It's about 10 seconds. I want you to listen to it about a hundred times this next week when this release, when this releases. Okay. And think about what my family on the sidelines don't, and don't say I deserve this. No, I know. I was I'm part of the rivalry. Shit, I did. I know uh, you are here. Your your family did not deserve that, but you got to sit here and you can't sit here and tell me you're not kind of proud of the fact that you did something in a rivalry that brought that out of people. Oh, I loved it. I I, I already said this before. If I could go back again, I I would I would love to play in that environment again, 100%. I feel like that's something that can almost be like a a badge of honor that it's like, yeah, like you got to be good and got to be successful to be able to get under people's skin at that level, you know? That's awesome. what's like. That's what I'll always give George credit for. George always got on, under people's skins because you know why? George is really good. Yeah. Like I don't know, but at the end of the day, people respect him still too. You know, and I I don't know. I think a lot more Iowa State fans respect you than what uh, they might you might think off of Twitter. Because again, we're just if we're gonna judge off only the bad apples. Yeah, they're mostly on Twitter. I agree. Yeah, all of them are on Twitter. I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> uh. All right, I want to talk about this John Wall Players Tribune article that came out on uh, late last week. Uh, I would highly suggest anyone go out and find it. If you just Google John Wall Players Tribune, it'll pop up. But the headline of it's called I'm Still or it's just I'm Still Here. It talks about his uh, battle with depression, uh, how close he was to committing suicide, uh, the death of his mother, all this stuff. Really powerful um impactful things stuff you don't read i mean seems like basketball players are talking about this stuff more and more than what they ever did previously after the last handful of years but shit you still got to give somebody a lot of props for the courage to go out and write some of these things and talk about some of this stuff publicly you know uh i got a lot more respect for john wall after reading this deal and that's so hard to do when you're a public figure like that like i'm nowhere near what john wall was but saying something like that when you have a lot of people that follow you on social media and and watch you play on a, a daily basis during the season it's really hard to be personable and allow people in your lives because they're already they're already so much a part of your lives whether the athletes like it or not like they see you grow from a different person when you first arrive to where you are now and it's really hard to be personable and allow more people into your private life so I applaud the hell of this. I think Kevin Love did something similar a few mm-hmm. years back. And I think, you know, the college athletes are dealing with so much more nowadays that was never dealt with before back then with social media and hearing more about, I mean, sports betting is a big part of this too as well, but they just deal with so much shit and it's hard to get through. Yeah. I, uh, shit hits dude. Cause I, you know, I've, I don't know. You don't know this, but I've like battled depression and stuff like that for a long time, you know? And I mean, now I think I'm in a pretty good place. It, uh, you know, took a long process and things like that. It takes a lot of constant work and always trying to continue to, to get better and not fall back into a hole. But, uh, shit is scary as fuck, man. That's all I'll say. And that's where I'll give John Wall some props because, you got to be pretty fucking strong to come out of it on the other side, in my mind, and not give in to those possibilities and give in to those ideas. And shit's hard, especially when you start to spiral into those things and you start to uh, fight those demons. They are, they don't fight fair. So uh, I got a lot of respect for John Wall. I'm going to be rooting for him this season i think i hope that he has a big bounce back year i hope he could be like mvp or not mvp most uh, most improved player or something like that in the nba i mean you guys are fucking heroes i can't i, mean, I dealt with I, I wasn't severe or anything but just dealing with college athlete um hearing all this stuff on the sidelines you know it did get to me years as down the road and you know, i have a lot of respect for you that you opened up like that because I, I i haven't probably been as as worse as you are but i've, I've had those thoughts of you know, my life sucks and I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I have a bad game and I just don't want to even talk to anyone for weeks. So 
um you know people like that people like you people like john wall you guys are fucking heroes because battling with your no i'm, I'm dead ass because battling with your brain is one of the hardest thing battles you can ever have in your life and I've, that's I've why fought, yeah that doesn't fight fair it's like i said no, it doesn't it's not a fair fight it's a david and goliath fight because every everything you do every action you make you don't seem like it's the right thing to do and when you have someone in your body saying the complete opposite of what you want to do and think is right it, it fucks you up it really does and i can't I, I mean i i don't even know what you went through but i could tell it hits home for what he wrote and i was just reading through it and reading about his mom passing away like that shit that, that's scary like what he was able to do growing up and getting to where he's at now and have all this money all this fame and it's still not enough because like like we we're just talking about like your brain is it's a crazy it's crazy what goes on in your head it really is yeah, and it's uh, it's especially hard to ask for help. That was what I think was my biggest thing. It's about admitting you have a problem, you know, or admitting that you have something that is eating admitting away. You're not at you, okay. That eating, you're not okay. Yeah, eating away at you to the point where you're like really gonna have a problem, you know. Mm. And uh, that's where I give him a lot of respect because I especially imagine as being a professional athlete, being someone who had a lot of money, who had a lot of things going right for him that to admit that you need help in that scenario would be pretty fucking scary. And because uh, I, I know that's true because I've had to do it. And when you have to finally, when you finally ask for help, that's when you feel some release because it's like, it's like a weight, you know, sorry, this is turning into my therapy session, but it's like, it's like a weight is just on your shoulders all the time, all the time. And the second that, you can talk to somebody about that and you can wait, like lift some of that weight off your shoulders and just have somebody that, you know, is there for you that wants you to win. That means a lot, you know? And, uh, I hope John wall wins. I hope anybody out there that's struggling with this shit. I hope that they win too. Um, anybody can always reach out to me. My DMS are open on Twitter. Uh, I'll always be there to direct anybody to, any sort of uh, resources they need or anything like that. Cause I, uh, I know that I needed some people like that a handful of years ago that really could help me. So I do want to piggyback on that for a second because I, I wouldn't be a brother that I am. I I try to be without giving a shout out to my brother, Zach, because he went to every one of my games other than the two games I got canceled because of COVID. And you know, I never really understood why he decided to do that until later on in my career. And I remember, I think it was junior year, junior, senior year, where I was, we were playing at Maryland and we just got our asses kicked and I had a really bad game. And that was like the first season that I was going through where I started kind of listening. And I always talk crap to people that talk crap to me. That's just who I was being competitive. But that was like the first year that kind of social media got the best of me because people started tweeting at me more. And I started understanding like, Damn, there's actually a lot of people watching these games and a lot on the line for you know a kid like me playing in this. And I remember our plane got delayed on the tarmac and we stayed in Maryland. And we just, my, my brother would always talk to me, never would talk to me about basketball after games. And when I came out of the tunnel, he, you know, I gave him a hug, said, thanks for coming to the game. And he said, where's, where's the basketball? He went, I went, so I went to grab a basketball from the Maryland managers. They were nice enough to give me a basketball. And we just started playing pig in an empty arena, me and my brother. My brother is always dressed up, wearing dress shoes, dress dress pants, and a dress shirt. And we were just playing pig after we just lost by like 20, 25 to a Maryland team. And I had one of the worst games of my career. And after that, that was the first time I really asked him. I was like, first off, I was like, Zach, are you really going to try to go to all my games? Like, that's, that's insane. He's like, yeah, I want to be there for you. And I was like, why are you doing it? And he said the same exact thing. He's like, I want to be there for you because I've been there in your shoes. I've been through what it what it what happens on the outside of these stadiums and these arenas that can get your head so messed up that you don't even know who you are anymore. And after that, I was like, damn, like this is this is real. Because you kind of realize like no matter what you're going through, like life, life gets real sometimes. And when you have that person by your side that you're talking about and you're to open up to, that that means the world and that meant the world to me. So I, I love you, Zach, and thank you for being there for me. Really appreciate that. You have no idea. Man, uh, I got deep. I got deep. John Wall, 
Uh, like I said, shout out to him, man. That's pretty fucking cool. Uh, there's something I was gonna say. Can't remember. Oh, I remember. Uh, hey, this was like when I left Simpson when I was playing basketball, dude. There was like, I don't, I mean, I've been pretty low some different times. That was one of the lower points, but it was like when you're done playing. Yeah, well, and it wasn't even about being done playing. It was about the way that everything happened. And I didn't uh, – I'm not going to talk about all that stuff because, one, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Like, it doesn't – it's not anybody's fault. It was 10 years ago, too. So, it's like it don't matter anymore, you know. But, man, the way that things kind of transpired really fucked me up where it made me lose a lot of my confidence in a lot of the things I was doing. It made me lose uh, kind of my sense of self when you're not an athlete anymore all of a sudden, you know, and you got to be – just a student now. And I felt like some of those things had been uh, beaten out of me. It made basketball not very fun to play. It made basketball not very fun to be around or like think about or talk about anymore. And uh, that's just like, it's just one of those things. Like, again, it just shows like if you allow yourself to get beaten down, you know, and you don't have that person that can be an outlet or someone who can be there to listen to you talk and things like that, that it can just really, really tear you up. Um, all right, we can we can turn the page because this has uh, gotten really sad. But no, I, I, it's, it needs to be talked about. I'm glad you brought this up, and I mean, hey, you're 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 kicking, bro. You're still kicking. What is what is fine? What does Finding Nemo say? You just keep swimming. Yeah, just, just keep, keep swimming. swimming. Just keep swimming. Uh, all right. Did we talked about Patrick Beverly a couple weeks ago with uh, George Niang when he was on? Did you see the clip that came out of Lakers Media Day yesterday? Uh, what Pat Bev said his favorite LeBron highlight is? I did not see that, no. He said his favorite LeBron highlight is when he blocked his shot on Christmas for the Clippers <laughs> to beat the Lakers. Why well, am I not surprised you would say that? So exactly what I said. I was like, that. that's exactly what I would expect uh, Patrick Beverly's favorite LeBron highlight to be. Uh, I, I, Yeah, he is something else. Man. He said, uh, I think – it was a month ago, the first media session when he got traded or something. And one of the reporters asked him, how are you going to see, or what kind of advice are you going to ask LeBron and Russell and these guys when you get, when you start playing? He's like, I don't know the exact quote. I, I completely just butchered that question, but he's like, man, they're not going to even, I'm not asking them advice. They got to ask me advice. We beat them. Like something crazy like that. Well, yeah, I think he said we went. My team went to the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what he said. Yeah, I'm like, this uh, dude's a character. Well, and then I saw he said yesterday that him and uh, his favorite team on the his favorite uh, friend on or his best friend on the team is Russell Westbrook. And I was really? like, man, what a turn from <laughs> 2011 when Patrick Beverly tore uh, tore Russ's ACL. I think uh, that first year after, or I guess what would that have been 2000. 2012, 13. Yeah, uh, yeah when uh, he when Russ tore his ACL and KD was by himself right after James Harden left. Uh, and Pat Bev, it was this, like his first game with the Rockets. He came in and was trying to make a weird play and Russ tore his ACL in the process. What a redemption story for Patrick Beverly. You love to see it. That guy is, uh, he is something else, man. I He's had a, a feeling. He's yeah. a psycho. He's a psycho, but I also think he would be low-key kind of fun to be around. I'm not going to lie. Oh, easily, yeah. Those guys, man, that just makes everything fun when you're around those type of guys. He came in for his first media session and he said, uh, he said, how's everybody doing? And nobody responded. <laughs> and then he, uh, he, how's everybody doing <laughs> to all the media people? And the media people are like, also, oh, hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. You know, and he gets up there. He's like, we're a family, right? We're supposed to be a family, right? All season. We're a family. He's like, we're a family. We say good morning. We say good night. <laughs> And I like I know what I would have been like as a media person. I've been like, let's fucking go, Pat. We're winning the title this year. <laughs> yes, sir. Me as my as the beat reporter, I'm helping you guys win the title this year. Let's get this job done. You like stand up in the back row, you take your shirt off and start pounding your chest. <laughs> I could totally see you doing that. MVP right here, the real MVP, Patrick <laughs> Beverly. Uh all right, dumbass of the week. Man, this story, what is okay. Iowa middle schooler expelled after bringing gun to school. I would sure as hell hope so. Uh, this story should be shocking. This came, comes from khak981.com. Great this country radio station. It's a country radio station? Yeah, it's a great country radio station. Oh, uh, I don't listen to music on the radio. I guess that's 
probably my. You don't listen to the radio? Well, I mean, I, no. If <sighs> I'm driving in my car, I just put on my Spotify or whatever. I don't want to be. I don't want to be at the behest of someone else as far as my music choices. I don't I want a that. DJ somewhere else to tell me what I have to listen to. Fair know? enough. Fair enough. I want my. I need my personal freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. According to WHO 13, we're sourcing another site now, I guess. A middle school student in the Johnston School District has now been expelled after he brought a firearm onto school grounds earlier this month. The news station reports that Superintendent Laura Kaser recommended expulsion during a closed section session. Again, I would hope so. Earlier in September, the school district sent out an email that said a few students saw the individual had possession of the weapon, but no one was threatened and it was never brandished. Local authorities in Johnson have launched an investigation into exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, I would like to know some more details on this as to why the kid brought a gun to school. But if you're a kid out there, don't take a gun to school. If you're a parent out there, lock your fucking guns up and don't let your kids get them, please. Uh, Dude. Seems like something that shouldn't have to be said in 2022, but apparently it does. I'm not going to lie. I totally spaced off. I started scrolling down. I don't know if it's an ad for me or whatever, but this West Des Moines house that's $8.9 million on Zillow is actually insane. <laughs> this is absurd. It's like a castle. Unreal. I like how I'm giving a really impassioned <laughs> speech about how people need to lock their guns up. Don't let you your kids take kitchen? a gun to school. All these unreal. things. And you're over here looking at this home from West Des Moines, $8.9 million that I did see. I scrolled down and I did see it, but I didn't. I looked at it. I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to transition to this here. There's Apparently, no way that's 8.9. All right. Sorry. I got carried away. Uh, you'd be shocked at how I bet there's some crazy shit in that $8.9 million house. I'm not going to lie. Has to be. It doesn't look I like feel like if I had, if I could build an eight eight point nine million dollar house, I feel like my house would be way cooler because I would use my space much more economically. Like I would not waste space on some of the shit that you see other people waste their space with. You know. Yeah, but if you have that amount of money to make an or build an eight point nine million dollar house, I guarantee those people don't give a fuck how they waste those space. That's probably true. They probably got three more of those big ass houses somewhere else in the world. Again, probably true. Yeah, <laughs> my my roommate's an engineer. His last house that he worked on a house a couple years ago, a job up in Okaboji. The house was fifteen million dollars, dude. Oh, custom house up in Okaboji. Pretty is pretty. How incredible. long ago was this? Uh, two years ago. We could talk about it off there because I I'm not gonna put out. Who, I'm not gonna <laughs> say whose house it was. Is someone that's notable? Repping today. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. A Keokuk man was convicted Friday. Of his for his role in the armed robbery of a Burlington bar in February, Noah Scott was found guilty on two counts of first degree robbery and one count of conspiracy conspiracy to commit forcible felony after a four day trial. Who takes this to trial? Scott was accused of robbing the outpost bar and grill. Who robs uh, a bar and grill in Burlington? Uh. Like, why would you? Okay, so it says Scott and the 16-year-old were accused of brandishing firearms at a bartender and a bar, and a bar patron, taking a gun belonging to an outpost employee. As well, okay, of course, the person working at the bar had a gun as well, as well as a woman's purse and money from the cash register. The thing I would like to ask that person is, how much money do you think is in that bar? Because I can guarantee you, it's a lot less than what any potential robber would probably think. Not a lot. And they're 15 and 16 years old at the time. I did not read this part of the article. 15 to 16 years old at the time of the crime. It's bad. Bad oh deal, dude. Oh, my gosh. Have, have you seen Chris Williams and Chris Hassel talking about the Clarinet Academy? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. So the Clarinet Academy in my hometown, Chris and I's hometown, uh, there was the Clarinet Academy, which is where, you know, kids who got in trouble oh, could okay. get sent. You yeah. know, it's like – Huh? It's like, a, it's like a boarding school? Yeah, boarding school. I guess that's how you could put it, you know. Uh, but they send kids who get in trouble there. A lot of kids would come from, like, Detroit and some of the inner city areas around the country. Uh, that's where those 15, that 15, 16-year-old, they would be in the Clarinet Academy. Uh, for that gun, for that gun charge. It's a tough deal. So Don't Scott rob. faces a maximum of 25 years in prison for each robbery count. Uh, can, Was it maybe, worth it, buddy, robbing a pub? Probably got 100 bucks. <laughs> In cash 
Probably not even. And of course, the bar worker had a gun. That seems safe too. Uh, all right. Uh, revenge. What the hell is this? Revenge. This is my. Porn. This is my. This is this is the one I put on. <laughs> revenge porn case lands Iowa man in Dallas County Jail. A Sioux City man is being held in Dallas County Jail after police say he admitted to sending nude photos and videos of his ex-girlfriend to her new boyfriend. Court documents said the victim asked Hackett about it and he admitted to sending the nude images. Police said after contacting him about the incident, he also admitted sending it to them. Uh, okay. In what, like, what would prompt anyone Wait, sending? You didn't read the best part of it. He, what was it? He admitted the quote that he admitted doing it. Oh, man. I'm click. I got too many links open. I just did that because I, because I don't know. I just did because I was dumb. <laughs> That has to be winner of the week, right? That's certain. That's that's definitely the winner. That's certainly safe. I just don't understand. Like, okay, yeah, it's a revenge point. I get it. Like, I understand under whatever the law is. I understand how it would get to that point. I want to know what that guy was thinking. What am I accomplishing by sending this picture of this of my ex girlfriend, this guy's current girlfriend, to him? Like, what's the like? What do you think you're accomplishing with that? Hey, at least he admitted it, though. That's accountability, man. It's He's accountability. I, I, yeah, self count. Yeah, self accountability. I respect it. I don't know. I, That's wild. Yeah, don't don't send those. Don't send pictures of your ex girlfriend to people, please. Uh, all right. This is a follow up from last week. We talked about the woman who brought the raccoon. Oh into no a bar way! In North, North Dakota. Uh, she's been charged with a crime. Uh, since since they had to put out the uh. Warning about potential rabies exposure. Uh, this woman from Maddox, South or North Dakota, is charged with misdemeanor counts of providing false information to law enforcement, tampering with physical evidence, and unlawful possession of fur bearers. Christensen said her family found the raccoon on the side of a road about three months ago and named it Rocky. Rocky. She said they were nursing the animal back to health with plans to release it into the wild. Okay, apparently it's illegal to keep a... a wild raccoon um in your possession what oh they killed the animal they did authorities euthanized the animal on a test of negative rabies oh Uh no rocky (laughs) That, that just ruins the whole story they killed the damn raccoon what a sad story all because that woman took her to the bar and he said the bartender never said the animal never bit anyone so he just, we just, there's a murder on the hands. Justice here. for Rocky. Justice, Justice for, Rocky. for Rocky. That's what we need. I need someone to make a graphic for me just with Rocky up in the sky, like for the whole <laughs> Harambe ones. Uh, over us. I want to know what, what led to the tampering with physical evidence charge. And the, what did she lie about to the police here? Like, I feel like, yeah, you know that the raccoon, you probably shouldn't have the raccoon, but I don't know that it's worth lying about it to the police, you know? It's like one of those I, things, just like, yeah, just have the raccoon. I don't know. I, I feel like there's definitely more it. to the story here. Yeah, there's there's got it. Rocky the raccoon, though. R.I.P. Rest, <laughs> rest in power, Rocky the raccoon. <laughs> Speaking of wild animals, a wild seal that got loose in Massachusetts uh, has and has evaded authorities' attempts to capture him for months. On Friday, turned himself in by waddling up to the police station. Aww. The gray seal first appeared earlier this month in Shoe Pond in the city of Beverly, northeast of Boston. The animal is believed to have traveled to the pond from a, from the sea via a river and drainage pipes. Nice. The seal quickly became a local attraction was and was even named Schubert after Aww. his chosen pond. Firefighters and wildlife ex oh Schubert's elusive okay firefighters and wild wildlife experts used boats and giant nets in an effort to capture the wily animal Thursday but gave up after several fruitless hours early Friday morning however Schubert left the pond crossed a parking lot and appeared outside the side door of the local police station looking according to a police statement for some help hold on a minute hold on a minute is this a human being how did this yeah how does the police officer know that this 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 seal needed help i'm not buying it 
I think I think that the seal might have been lying to the police. We need to get them the same charges that they got the woman in North Dakota with. How did he just show up? Providing false information to law enforcement. That seal wasn't under distress. He's on the run. Let him fly, baby. Let him fly. Schubert. Apparently they're gonna release him here before too long back into the wild wild. Uh-huh. Uh a, a highway in Florida was covered in Coors Light beer after saw this. Uh, after a semi crash late last week, the multiple multi vehicle crash occurred shortly after six a.m. Man, hell of a way to wake up on a Friday morning. Six a.m. The southbound lanes of I seventy five, about thirty miles north of Tampa. The pileup began when one semi trailer clipped another while changing lanes. That forced other semis to brake, but one failed to stop and collided with a pickup truck and another one of the stopping semis. Man, that was a real chain of events there the semi that failed to stop was filled with cases of the silver bullet beer if you came up if you're going to work you're on your way on your way to work you're commuting into tampa on i-75 and you come up and the entire road is blocked by coors light are you getting out of your car and grabbing some coors light i mean you have to nice little 12 pack after work i feel like that's the only logical thing to do i mean i hope not everyone's drinking 12 packs after well maybe props to you if you are come on man if you start at five it's just not that 12 yeah. beers yep. you're like shaming me you don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, so this is a <laughs> never mind <laughs> all right <laughs> the two our stolen product of the week black market product of the week two million dollars worth of cars stolen from flat rock assembly plant but many ran out of gas before thieves could get far a ring of thieves oh my god is this like uh what is it gone in 60 seconds like a remake here. A ring of thieves appeared to have figured out a way to steal high-end Ford Mustangs from the Flat Rock assembly plant lot, but have failed to figure out how to keep them all running for a clean getaway. According to Woodhaven Police Chief uh, Scott Fraxick, vehicles have been stolen from the plant on nine separate occasions since 2016. Police said seven new Ford Mustangs were stolen from the lot on the Woodhaven property of the plant. Fraxic said all of the vehicles stolen have been relatively the same type of Mustang, namely the Shelby and Cobra models. Uh, they're coming in groups. They aren't taking them one car at a time. We don't know they're how they're getting on the lot. One reason for that might be that there's no video surveillance on the lot, according to police, which seems like a really stupid idea when you've got $100,000 cars sitting around, despite the fact that there's a good deal of security surrounding the lot that thieves are getting in and driving off the cars. Fraxic said the lead car sometimes smashes through the control gate so the following cars can get through. This is like literally like gone in 60 seconds. How does this keep happening? Why would you not put cameras in after you? Yes. All of the vehicles have just enough gas to start the cars and get them off the lot. Out of the seven recently stolen vehicles, police have recovered six of them. Well, I mean, that's good. But like how Why? There's got to be some security concerns at some point. Like somebody's got to sit back and be like, "Yo, we should probably rethink this whole deal." How can you even steal a car nowadays? Isn't everything like hooked up? Like, like I know when I park my car somewhere else, it tells me on my phone. Like I would imagine these are newer models, right? So they could easily track the car. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was gonna try and steal cars, I probably should wouldn't try and steal like a brand new one. You know, right? Maybe like a 1960 Chevy pickup truck. Yeah, something that. Uh, would be a lot harder to track than something that's like hooked up to OnStar, you know, right. like if you're yeah, hooked up to the internet, you're probably not going to get very far and maybe you should check to make sure there's gas. So it seems like another key piece of it is well. for the week. Whoever owns this lot, like you put a fucking camera in. Yeah. I'm, that's my bigger question. Why does the person who owns the lot not try and keep the people out and wait? That's your maybe own fault. Person, maybe the person who owns the lots wants to steal the car. Oh, yeah, that'd be too easy. Would it? Unless he's like selling them on only on his dime instead of. You, you think know. someone who works in the business of like stealing illegal cars and owning places where they're like, and they've worked their way up, you think they don't have a way to sell them? Oh, easily, yeah. You're like a kingpin at that point, you know. They load them up onto a boat that goes to China or something. Wait, are we getting to the conspiracy Jared episode? Because it was conspiracy J Bo. Well, I'm just saying week. that the fact that they haven't put a they haven't put a camera in after they've been robbed six different times in five years. No, I'm down. It's for questionable. It. it leads me to believe that they're it's an inside job. I think I'm down for this. Job. If you want to keep going to the rabbit hole, I'm down. Have you I'm looked saying. up anything about gods and goddesses recently? No, I have not looked up any <laughs> Greek gods or goddesses this week. I should have. Should have. I had to. a lot of people tweeting at me. There, I actually had people texting me. This was funny. They texted me. and said, 
Was Jordan drunk last week? <laughs> I wasn't. I that's why I said I was like shit. If he was, he was drinking before the podcast. I don't know. He wasn't drinking during it. I Maybe like, I, I need I to. I, even if you were, I was like, I don't care. He's a grown ass man. Like he can do whatever the hell he wants to. If Literally he wants a quarter. podcast drunk, that's his prerogative. But we're not the FCC. Can't stop us. You know, we can do whatever the hell we want to. Or the NCA. Or the NCAA. Sure as hell, they can't stop us. Nope. They can't stop anybody, especially nope. uh, people that are out there cheating, even in the world of NIL. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace. Iowa everywhere.